Do you think Western teams should be concerned, the top teams in the West, about these new-look Suns? No, not the top teams. I don't feel that way at all. He's going to be an upgrade to any squad that he shows up on. Make no mistake about it. But when you talk about the big-time teams in the Western Conference, primarily we're talking about the Lakers, the Denver Nuggets, of course, the, the Clippers. I don't see the Phoenix Suns being able to mess with that. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's Friday, and it's over. It's Friday, and it's over. When you're up. 2-0 in the NBA Finals, 90% of the time, you go on to win it. At the end of the 2017 to 2018 season, the Suns continued to be in a rut. They had not even reached the playoffs since uh, the 2009-2010 season. And their recent record read 14th, 15th, 15th, and 15th once again. Fast forward just two years, and suddenly you see a Phoenix Suns team led by Chris Paul 2-0 up in the NBA Finals against what some would see as a brilliant Milwaukee Bucks team who would, may have expected to walk the finals, especially after beating the Brooklyn Nets. In this episode, with the help of Roel, we're going to break down exactly how the Phoenix Suns got to where they are, how they dug themselves out of a hole, and perhaps speculate as to how Toronto might follow a similar path. Varel, welcome to the podcast. How do you feel about the Suns being tuned up? Is it basically the feel-good story of this NBA season? Or, or do you feel... That it absolutely is. No. That, is, that it absolutely is. Well, if we think of which other team would have bought this much fanfare among you know the more hardcore NBA fans because of course uh, the TV networks they're not very happy with how things are going especially these two small market teams making the finals uh, maybe the casual NBA fan isn't uh, well pleased because he isn't seeing the likes of uh, LeBron James maybe even Luka Doncic uh, Kawhi Leonard on his TV screen but um, for I'd say maybe a little bit more of a um, longer term NBA fan, uh, seeing somebody like Chris Paul leading a team in the finals after the struggles that he's had in the playoffs uh, in the in the past, with obviously not just through his fault as well, Kamel, because of course there were various times he got extremely unfortunate. Uh, we can always go back to that series against the Warriors when he uh, went down injured when it looks like they could have won I think that was a Western Conference Finals um, so he's now showing that um, despite the hardships that he's had in the playoffs in the past he's not uh, somebody who cowers in those big moments and indeed he's been able to lift up his younger teammates and uh, I don't want to take any way, anything away from the likes of Devin Booker because Booker's shown that he's Basically, in that superstar bracket, I, I wonder what your opinion on that is, Kamel. But um, everyone in that roster has stepped up, and I guess there's no true superstar, superstar like top five player in the league on this team. Maybe you can say that. So, um, this team has such great depth, and so uh, a reason of all um, the reason it was built this way, um, it goes back several years, and indeed, it's why we made this episode today because. We're looking at if 
this same sort of roster timeline can be achieved by the Toronto Raptors as well in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you mentioned before the episode the hiring of James Jones. In July 2017, he became the VP of Basketball Operations at the Phoenix Suns. But it's a year later where the moves, the sort of roots of this phenomenally constructed and, as you say, deep roster started to sprout. Um, I'll go back to June 21st, 2018. Of course, the draft, um, the Phoenix Suns had four separate picks, including, of course, the number one pick. Um, but it's the other one that was very important as well. So, of course, they take DeAndre Ayton, um, who has proved, who has stepped up his game phenomenally, especially under the tutelage uh, of Monty, but also Zaire Smith. Now, he's not a name that will be familiar to many of you, but they actually managed to trade him that same day, along with the 2021 first round draft pick, which of course, they won't be needing that much this off season, uh, for none other than Mikhail Bridges. So you suddenly, from nothing, you have those two excellent additions to the roster, and if you look at the roster at the time, when the best player perhaps was perhaps a rookie Devin Booker, or you know, you have Eric Bledsoe, you have a struggling Josh Jackson, you have players like Jared Dudley and TJ Warren on there, you know, veterans, middling veterans, Alfred Payton, Greg Monroe, Alex Len. It's a really strangely constructed roster. But as we said, the introduction um, of James Jones really started this process as well. It's not like they did particularly yeah. well in the following season, right? I mean, it was another 15th place finish, 19 and yeah, 63. Yeah. Do you think that was rock bottom for the Suns despite, Mika, obviously, the incoming Mikhail and DeAndre Ayton? Yeah. Um, so, if you're talking about the season after they made those draft picks, yeah. the really interesting thing is, even if we look at those, this, the as soon as that season finished, we looked at DeAndre Ayton as probably one of the best rookies in that class. But everyone still thought the Suns had made a huge mistake. They looked at the likes of Trey Young, Luka Doncic. They said, "These are players you guys could have picked up." Like this is a clear error, and so um, nothing was clear cut by this draft. Clearly, this was like a long term vision that this team had because we look at that Zaire Smith trade as well. They all traded a future first rounders it was in three season times uh, which was of course this season they went from Kamel the number 16 pick to the number 10 pick that's not a huge jump for another future first rounder and it wasn't like uh, Mikel Bridges was any sort of surefire thing otherwise he wouldn't be as low as that in the draft um, so these are moves that now we're looking at thinking wow fantastic things really worked out for them but say say they didn't even sign for uh, sorry trade for Chris Paul um, at the start of this season maybe they wouldn't be in title contention like they are now and then you're looking at this year's 2021 draft and you're thinking to yourself oh who could the Suns have drafted this is the pick they traded away um, to land Mikhail Bridges in the first place so the point I think I wanted to make here, Kamel, is to make a championship roster, there's risks that you need to make. We saw it with Messiah Jury with the Kawhi Leonard trade. If we're going to go, let's uh, say, all in, 
when you have a team that has got potential but that has no superstar that has no clear okay we need to contend now because the Suns even this uh, the start of this season Kamel with how good they looked in the bubble I didn't think pre-Chris Paul trade I didn't think this is the year the Suns have to win what what I saw Kamel was a team that was young that had a lot of potential for the future and that could build for the future I didn't think they needed to go out and get the likes of Chris Paul so this kind of shows like they've taken this big gamble because it, it was that they traded we'll come to the Chris Paul trade later and things have worked out spectacular for them but they also of course had a a big amount of luck along the way with various superstars getting injured during the bubble so um uh before i ramble on too much maybe if we continue with some of the other moves that they made uh following this uh 2018 draft of course so the main acquisition in the 2018-19 season really came towards the end i mean there was a couple of trades in the middle uh, we saw actually this, for example, of signings such as Jamal Crawford to mentor those young'uns. Uh, we also saw Trevor Ariza, uh, who was quite yeah, a good yeah. pickup in the end, being traded for Kelly Oubre Jr. and Austin Rivers. Rivers was, of course, yes. later waived. So was the likes of Ellington, who was traded. So they made a lot of these little um, low-risk, low-ceiling sort of, sorry, low-risk, high-ceiling sort of trades. You know, if these players went off like Bridges, then good. Otherwise, you know, you can just flip them for the next prospect that comes along. But it was really after this season uh, where I feel like Jones, who became GM in the middle, really decided to pull the trigger and go for it and hire a winning coach. May the 3rd, 2019, they hire Monty Williams as their head coach. Uh, this is just before the draft, and it's unfortunate for Iger um, Kokoskov, of course. But as I think history shows, uh, this is his first season in charge. He was an assistant coach of the likes of the Clippers and the Pistons beforehand. Um, he's not the guy, he's not the Nick Nurse kind of guy to take you to a winning record. And I think this was shown, especially because they had built, they had developed the likes of Aiton already this uh, this season, this losing season. And then again, they had great lottery picks. They had the sixth pick in the 2019 draft. And what did you think when they picked up Jarrett Culver? Uh, before we get to Jarrett Culver, though, just touching on one or two of those trades, for example, Kamel trading away Josh Jackson, Deontay Melton, maybe not as big a prospect, but two second rounders to the Memphis Grizzlies for Javon Carter and Carl Corbin. Of course, Carl Corbin didn't stay on this team. So this is a Javon Carter. They knew they were picking this guy up to be a good, solid bench player. But they were trading away somebody they'd recently picked up in the draft and who was seen to be, you know, a, like he was, a, was he number three, wasn't he? Chosen uh, Kamel in the draft. So this is a guy, um, Josh Jackson, who, like, they saw fairly quickly, yes, he didn't have a place on this team, but everyone else looking at this trade would think, how could they trade away a, a young piece that had all this potential come out of college? Maybe he hasn't shown it in the NBA, but he traded away that and picks for somebody like Javon Carter, who wasn't a surefire starter by any means. Um, so again, you look at it, at the time, very bizarre move. Um, the Trevor Ariza move, you think Trevor Ariza is such a solid starter for a contending team we saw what he did for the Houston Rockets but then he gets the likes of Kelly Oubre Jr like I said a lot of potential there as a player and then Kelly Oubre proves in the bubble 
especially how valuable a piece he can be. And then his trade stock goes through the roof. Ricky Rubio, they sign as a free agent. Trade stock goes through the roof. He he also later becomes part of that package for Chris Paul. So it's really, there's just so many fascinating moves, Kamel. Um, you asked me the question of what did I think of um, Jared who, who they drafted in 2019. So of course, Jared Culver, who the next day, of course, they traded for Cam Johnson and Dario Saric. Yes, exactly. Crazy. And look I mean, how that's worked out, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cam Johnson, absolutely massive player in this playoffs, I think. Very, very good depth piece. Of course, Saric uh, went his own way. Um, as we know, he is... No, no, he's, he's still on the Suns. But um... he's not... He's not he's not clicking uh he's not he's not sort of the main the the main guy we thought he'd be i think at this stage yeah, yeah, he, he's not a starter he's not a starter which yeah. definitely maybe they were looking for him to be but um uh a couple of months ago i said he's actually i think he's a very important piece for this team still he provides that playmaking off the bench he can stretch the floor um they don't really have a proper backup center so he's played there as well um so no i, I still think he's an important piece um trading down at the time it's number six to number 11 again people very much questioned it um and uh the next one i actually wanted to ask you kamel was um yes i think we should just move on to the chris paul trade before we stick around too long on the suns now true, that, true, that but, was spectacular can we can, can we talk about the first round pick for aaron baines uh that they managed to acquire uh of course became somewhat of a legend yes. and we've got we've got the raptors link there Basically signed yes. him from his excellent time at the Suns. Um, before before the Chris Paul trade, let's just look at their roster going into 2019-2020, just so we can see, you know, as we all know, they had a better record this time. They were 34 and 39, so 10th, you know, their highest finish in a long while. But you could see the, the echelons of a great roster starting to appear. Of course, we've talked about uh, Cam Johnson, Dario Saric, Kelly Oubre, uh, they picked up Ricky Rubio. They still had Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Mikhail Bridges. So, you know, they were developing something here. There was something uh, still under the radar, but something special happening here. But, of course, yes. you're completely right. Can you tell us all about the massive, massive trade, who everyone questioned at the time, the massive pickup of Christopher Paul? Um, I mean, I don't think I can add too much to what I said earlier, aside from giving the uh, exact names who are actually part of the trade. Um, so it was Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, which is actually not, not a name that I recognise. And more importantly, the first round pick for 2022, which of course, when you're making this trade, you understand that that doesn't have a massive amount of value for the Thunder. Um, of course, they're just accumulating that as part of their draft capital. But um, yeah, giving, Kamel, giving away the likes of Kelly Oubre, who was a massive contributor for this team last year. And Ricky Rubio was an exceptionally solid point guard for them. You look at Kelly Oubre, another young piece, fits around this young core. Potentially, he's going to develop with these young guys. That's what I would have thought as a front office. Um, it's my point early. You think this seems like a really balanced roster. And Ricky Rubio is a veteran. He does have his weaknesses. But even then, his uh, shooting, which has always been his weakness, is he's somewhat worked on it. He's not as horrific from the three-point line as he was four or five years ago um so you think this team is going to properly contend in two three years time but 
uh, clearly, uh, Mr. Jones, he saw something in this roster that I didn't see. I mean, I saw how much potential they had in the bubble, but then giving away two starters, essentially, uh, for one starter, you, you couldn't have predicted that Chris Paul would have had this kind of impact on a team. It was, it's, wow. I, I was in, were you in disbelief, Kamel, seeing how no, good they've no, actually been? I mean, they're two, they're two, way, two games away from winning the NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean, imagine the situation. You're a 10th place team. You've got a good roster, but you're thinking, does Chris Paul, who of course, um, he's 30, he must be 36 now, am I correct? I mean, he hasn't got many years left in his prime, but he's still showing it. You know, if you sign for Chris Paul, that's an intention that you want to win very, very soon. Now. If not this yes. year, then latest next year. Yes. And maybe it's yes. a question of who did you want in the backcourt who's the veteran you wanted next to Devin Booker who would bring the best out of him and of course Ricky Rubio you know pass first point guard uh, can you know deal to Booker all day basically as he did in yeah. previous seasons but for some reason Chris Paul just had that factor he had the experience uh, of course he's never won a, you know, never got a ring before he needs his ring this year but he has that veteran nous that maybe guided Booker to his best season yet of course in the regular season, almost 26 points our man Booker was averaging. Um, yeah. And you, of course, we don't know the impact on DeAndre Ayton as well. Some people just gel better with the vet point guard. DeAndre Ayton had a brilliant season, uh, averaging yeah. a double-double uh, along with a block. So, you know, Chris Paul, basically, you've said it. Just the impact on that team was just phenomenal. But let's not forget what happened a few days later. Well, a couple of weeks later, which really solidified their impact uh sorry their intention to go for it and that's jay crowder who has been yeah. absolutely massive right this not only this season but uh this playoffs as well uh yeah. that sort of strong wing in the style of mikhail bridges the three and d sort of player um just you know can't 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 beat it really can't beat it if you've got that it's not necessarily a Giannis stopper or people like that but if you've got those solid wings then well, it's a staple of any championship team, isn't it? Yeah, and I think he's um, fairly and um, uh, he's deserved now to be called as the best role player in the league. I've seen several articles um, claiming this. I mean, he's gone to back-to-back finals, so it's hard to argue that. I think the, the other transaction that flew massively under the radar, Cameron bloody pain, Camille, because mm. he's mm. bought the pain during these playoffs. And even before he went off for that 29-point game, against the Clippers I um, in early games that I'd watched of him honestly um, I didn't watch Alan Iverson live but um, what I saw in Cameron Payne just how quick he is off the first step he definitely doesn't have the uh, handle of an Alan Iverson maybe I can think of a more apt comparison I mean honestly as quick as John Wall was pre-injury just like incredibly incredibly quick like Kamel, he doesn't even need to really, um, you know, use a hesitation move or like a dribble move to get past his defender. You get the ball to him standing still and he rips past his defender. He's so unbelievably quick. Um, so as soon as I saw that, I was like, right, this guy's always going to be a danger driving towards a basket, making us back to all cut. Um, and so having the likes of him and Chris Ball on the floor at the same time, for example, which they've utilised a bit, like... Yeah, despite the, the fact that they're both undersized, we know that Chris Paul's an excellent defender and um, 
they can kind of hold on defensively, but offensively, it's it's super dangerous. Um, he has a funky jumper campaign, but somebody that quick is always going to be, like I said, a danger cutting to the basket, getting to just, you know, those easy layups. Um, so he's also been a revelation from a player who looked like he might be on his way permanently out of the league. He's in the G League, of course, for a couple of years. And that's the depth we talked about earlier, you know, picking up the two Camerons, Johnson and Payne, uh, even yeah. picking up Tory Craig back in March, ironically, from the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, even he's contributed. And then you've got yeah. uh, Saric as your ninth man, and that really shows the strength of the Suns uh, of this playoffs. Um, so I think, you know, we, we wax lyrical about the Suns. They've, they've probably not made an error throughout these last couple of years. Admittedly, as we've said, they've got lucky uh, with the likes of Mikhail Bridges. They've got lucky with some of their trades. Some of them have been confusing. You didn't know that Chris Paul was going to have his almost pseudo MVP season this year. You know, Sorry, could I, Kamel, could I add something there also? Yes. They traded away. We forgot, I completely forgot to mention this. They traded away TJ Warren for cash at one point as well during this. Which is an odd because, you know, you, he, could, he could help out. He could help out regardless of yeah. his A. But um, yeah, may, maybe one or two minor errors along the way. But when you're 2-0 up in the finals, who's complaining? Exactly. Um, so I wanted to talk about the Raptors, of course, finished for the first time this season with a below 500 record. 27 and 45. Um, could they make a similar comeback to the Suns and have they got, have they already got some of the materials to do so? I'd want to draw a direct comparison uh, of either roster, of course. You have in both teams a veteran point guard. Now, I'm not going to say Kyle Lowry's better than Chris Paul, but only one of them's really done it in the finals before. Chris Paul, of course, in a couple of games we might know. Uh, if he completes the task. But you can sort of compare them in terms of their impact on the team as well. At the number two spot, we can't compare anyone on the Toronto Raptors, of course, to Devin Booker. An absolute go-to scorer. You'll go to him anytime from the first minute to the clutch. Fred Van Vliet doesn't have that sort of presence about him. But who knows, with the fourth pick in the draft, could you see the likes of Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green filling that role? We've already spoken about the wings, the three and D players. Of course, Nick Nurse is famous, especially last season, putting in the likes of OG, Stanley Johnson, uh, Watanabe, very, very solid players who can all shoot from behind the arc and basically defend positions two to four. Not bad. Now, uh, the Suns, of course, uh, who, do they, who do they tend to play at the four? Because I think whoever it is... Jay Siakam, Crowder. Sorry? Jay, Jay Crowder. Crowder. So Siakam's yeah. a very different sort of player there. Um, much more offensively minded, much more play, plays in transition rather than 3 and D. So maybe that comparison's a little off, but I'd say, if you, which player would you rather have out of the two? Just out of interest. Could you ask that again, Kim? Siakam or Jay Crowder, who would you rather play at the four in a championship team? Do you think the Suns would be improved with Siakam? Then? Well, no, that that's... Um... That's I know a, it's different. It's a different. It's a lot of you nuances. Can't, I honestly say you have to see, you have to see who's around them. As and if you have the likes of Chris Paul for this Suns team right now, I'd rather have Jay Crowder. If that okay. answers your question. Interesting. Interesting. Regardless, we can uh, we can call it a score draw. Um, but for this at, Raptors team, yeah, Siakam yeah. definitely. 
and, and but at the five, of course, we've got a massive, massive imbalance. You know, we do love we do love Ken Birch and Henry Gillespie, but the Andrew Ayton, of course, we've said just takes takes the biscuit really with with how good he yeah. is this year. So extremely, extremely good. Um, and of course, depth we've seen already. You've got the likes of Gary Trent Jr. coming back, Chris Boucher, uh, DeAndre Bembry, uh, Watanabe. This is probably a bit of a tongue-in-cheek question, but do the Raptors have the potential to do what the Suns did? Should they draft well? And, of course, a couple of trades wouldn't go amiss. So, what are we missing as a team? Yeah, what are we missing? We're missing a big man. You're missing an Evan We're Mobley. Absolutely, that is. I think that is the biggest priority, right? When we look at our roster construction. Well, you got ever. Well, the point is, problem is here. You've only got one lottery draft pick, and both uh, either of the Jalen's and Mobley would fill just one of the two hole gaping holes in this Raptors yes. roster. Yes, but um, what are we looking at, Fred Van Vliet as Kamel? Are we looking at him as a future point guard for this team? While or Kyle Lowry's here, as a shooting yeah. guard kind of combo player, yeah. While Kyle Lowry's here, he'll always be the undersized shooting guard, but he's no Devin Booker. That's but I'm saying if Kyle Lowry wasn't here, would we then give all the primary ball handling and you know, you would, but if, but if Kyle Lowry wasn't here, then you lose your vet point guards, uh, that sort of Chris Paul comparison that you do need, especially in this side. So, so that's my question. So, do you think we also need, um, you know, it, ex- it doesn't need necessarily for me need to be an experienced and tenured point guard. Of course, that would be preferable. But do we need a true point guard? Basically, is my question. Yeah, yeah. I think you you, you could yeah. if we're if, especially if we're comparing to the Suns model. You uh you definitely definitely need one of the two, pref- preferably Kyle. Okay, but surely that then means Fred VanVleet is the kind of player who should then be maybe coming off the bench because do you want him that undersized as a shooting guard that's true that's exactly true and if you sign Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs then Van Vliet will have to come off the bench especially if you is that the type of role Van Vliet not only would he um, maybe not accept that but then what kind of money are we going to be signing him up for right exactly he's on a massive contract you can sign him for 20 mil Kamel that's a kind of a waste of money on your bench yeah, it's, it's the kind of difficult questions that Masai is going to have to face. So you might be right when you said initially that that main hole would be at the five and you'd have to just survive without that go-to scorer because that's so important. They seem to have absolutely nailed absolutely everything, the Suns, in terms of their roster. Like, this, is it. Uh, this is where I'm disagreeing with you, though, because that question of how does Van Vliet fit in this team is one that's very, as I've shown you now, and you definitely were aware of this before, Kamel. It's it's a difficult uh, uh, question to answer. But um, you also talked about the 3 and D players. I actually think number three, this is our issue. Um, how many 3 and D players in this roster are very solid on both ends of the floor? The only player that I could point to right now is OG Ananobi. I think he very much fills that category, but all the other guys have big flaws in either one or other aspects um, of I'm, I'm talking about either offensively or defensively that Suns roster you've got three or four guys who are like very very solid on both ends of the floor whereas yeah this what Toronto team in my opinion you've only got OG so what do you think about me saying that we still need 
more that proper three and D prototype players. No, that's more than fair. I mean, you're right. Stanley Johnson isn't Jay Crowder or Mikhail Bridges, right? Neither is Utah Watanabe as much as we love him. Um, like Utah, we can make a comparison with Sarri, uh, Dario Saric, right? Exactly, but of. then he'll have to be the tenth man. Oh, sorry, the ninth man. So it's and he's it's nowhere tough. near Dario Saric though right now, no. right? Nowhere near. If it, it feels like whoever the Raptors draft, they need one more massive signing in free agency to be comparable to this Suns yes. team or to make another run for it. So then yeah. it begs the question, do you do what the Suns do and spot that gap? Or do you go into a proper rebuild like we would, I guess, if the Suns hadn't had this inspirational story? It's, it's, it's a really difficult one. It's a very difficult I think one. If, I, if I could phrase it another way, Kamel, do we look for what you said there? Do we look like for that one big superstar type player and then maybe that's the proper proper rebuild phrase we wait for years and years going through the draft uh, accumulating capital or do we go for the Suns route which is not to before the season they didn't necessarily have that one main superstar type player I mean they've got three, three players now like a big three but there's not you wouldn't point at one of them and say this guy is absolutely the man for this team so do we then go for that option which actually Toronto we, we've talked about it here they seem like they've got a lot of similarities with the Sun roster. So we'd be looking to then compete in the next couple of years, wouldn't we? Rather than going into that full rebuild, looking for that one superstar type player. So would you say it's fair that those are kind of like the two options we could say that uh, Masai has? Oh, for sure. And if you know Masai's personality, he's going to choose that Sun's option. You know, he's going <laughs> to yes. try through the clever little trades, clever little pickups. Uh, we know he's good at that. He's, he's phenomenal at that. And yes. uh, that's that's going to be his route. He's done. It's going it's to be another massive risk. Of course, we saw it with letting both Gasol and Ibaka go. We saw it with not being able to re-sign Kawhi. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but you know that's the way he does it. That's the why both the Raptors and the Suns have a championship because they both took risks. Sorry, I know Ooh. I'm being a bit preemptive on the Suns, but I don't see the I don't see the Bucks winning four of the next six games. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a toughie. It's a toughie. Well, um, four of the next five, actually, Kim. Four of the next five, even 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 slimmer odds. And I think that's where yes. we'll end. I mean, uh, it's a little fun experiment. It's nice to also give credit to the Suns as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, let's see. Let's see if Masai can practice what he preaches and really emulate James Jones in this sense. Uh, we'll be and- back, of course with the draft uh it's coming up very soon i'm very excited the draft odds keep changing uh and of course we discussed that in the last episode thank you to all of them all of you who listened to it it's one of my most, most listened episodes in a while so thank you for that uh but yeah we'll be back after july 29th to see if we've picked mobley either of the jalens or if Masai has done something absolutely wild peace out everyone take care What is it about these this team that you said, Phoenix, I want Phoenix? It was a lot of things. Willie Green, my brother, James Jones, we worked at the union together. Coach Monty, I played for him already. But the big reason was the light-skinned guy right here, number one, <laughs> Devin Booker. Well, why Devin Booker, he is a dog. Go and get it, Booker.